Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased you've been able to join us for tonight's program. This Jesus who wants people to know that God is a forgiving God. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it with, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter how widely known on the internet it is or not, God forgives. Can you think of a simple, short word that brings change? It's only a little word, but it can open up a whole lot of doors. It's the word yes. How many times has answering yes dramatically changed your life? In the New Testament of the Bible, there are countless examples of people asking something of Jesus, and his answer was yes, how it turned life around for them. Tonight, Dr. Corbett explores the impact of that one little word and how it can change your life. You are going to need your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, borrow the persons beside you, but you're going to need a Bible. And we are going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9 in just a moment. This is the power of yes. The power of yes. And I wonder if we could just think about this for a moment. How many times has your life taken a course correction or a course deviation or a change of course in life because you said yes? Has anyone said yes and it's changed your life? All right, I need an example. When you get married, was that a good change? Okay. All right, Elizabeth? Yes, when I accepted Jesus. Yes, when you accepted Jesus. Very good. Any other stories of how yes changed your life? Ronnie? When you gave up smoking? Great. You felt better? Great. Any other yes stories? Marge? Okay, go on. When you first took drugs. Actually, I'm glad you shared that because yes can dramatically change your life in negative ways. One more. Anyone, your yes, your, your yes changed your life. Denise? When you said yes to a job last year, how did it change your life? Double my income. Doubled your income. That's a good yes. <laughs> yes can change your world. And as we've heard in this brief snapshot, and I guess most of you except Marjorie were, expect, were, were I guess, thinking I was looking for positive examples of how yes can change your life. And that's why I'm glad that Marjorie shared what she shared because sometimes saying yes can actually cost you. And it can be harmful and detrimental to you. How many ways are there of saying yes? Now I see Vince here. And of course in in Italian, Italiano, how do you say yes, Vince? Si. Si. Easy. Si. And if you were Spanish, you would say it how? Si. Uh, If you were Dutch? Ja. Ja. There's the Dutch segment over here, I've just noticed. If you were British, how would you say it? Oh, jolly, hey, what? Yes. (laughs) If you were were Kiwi, how would you say yes? Yeah, bro. (laughs) If you were Australian, how would you say it? This is how you'd say it. Let me me tell you. You'd say it like this. Yeah, nah. (laughs) Covers both bases. Yeah, nah, nah, yeah. <laughs> if you, anyone here, Greek, speak Greek. How do Greeks say yes? Here it is, get ready. Night, night. By the way, any other? Polish, Polish. 
Tuck, tuck, yes. Have we missed any languages out? I think we covered all of them, haven't we? What was that one? Oui, French. German? German? Yeah. Very similar to Dutch. Have we, have we covered them all? Japanese? Japanese? Hi. Hi. Have we got them all? Like, what's, what's uh, Tagalog? What's uh, Filipino? Anyone know? Yes, in Tagalog. Language teacher? Yeah. I think so. I think you're right. Russian. Russian. Da. Yanni Sporoski. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about the different ways of saying yes. But I thought that was an interesting exercise anyway. How many ways are there to say yes? I actually think there's basically two. You can verbalise it or and or you can act on it. Do you remember Jesus told a parable about saying yes? He said once there was a father who had two sons and he said to his first son, go today and work in my vineyard. And he said, yes. And Jesus said, and he did not. Then he went to the younger son and he said, go and work in my vineyard. And the younger son said, no. And he went and worked in the vineyard. So really he did say yes. Because in that instance, Jesus said, actions speak louder than words. So now we're in Matthew chapter 9. I want you to follow me as we, as we look at this. And we're reading from verse 1. And it says this, And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, or a paraplegic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. This paraplegic man asked Jesus a question and Jesus answered his question with yes. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, follow me and he rose and followed him uh, and as Jesus reclined at table in the house behold many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples and when the Pharisees saw this they said to the disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners uh, by the way how would we respond if God decided to bring in lots of tax collectors and sinners in our modern era? How would we respond as a church? How would we respond if we are praying for God to save 
people who are utterly lost and next Sunday we see the utterly lost come into church. How would we respond? Because sometimes I wonder if we uh, don't let our imaginations run or just don't get out enough. What do the utterly lost look like? Like us and sometimes they don't look like us and that can be scary. (laughs) Sometimes they can come in Holding the hand, a man can be holding the hand of a man. A woman could be holding the hand of a woman. That maybe is not so odd, but they could be in a kind of relationship that just we would think that's because they're lost. How are we going to respond? I had a sharing in my home group this week that there was a pastor who he and his wife had just devastated this small church of about 50 people or so had... 30 people or so get up and walk out one Sunday because two uh, people who identified as gay walked into the church and they felt the pastor should have kicked them out. I'll just tell you straight up now, I'm not kicking anyone out. So just get ready. Are we praying for people to be saved? So here we have in this passage, this, this man, Matthew, he asked a question. You can imagine the scene. There's Matthew at a tax collector's table He locks eyes with Jesus and Jesus answers his question with yes. Let's keep reading. We'll go down to verse 18. And while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, My daughter has just died, but come, lay your hand on her and she will live. A ruler, presumably a ruler of the synagogue. This ruler asked Jesus a question. And Jesus answered the question, yes. Now, probably at this point, we've got three examples where I've said Jesus has said yes. And you're probably going to go, what translation is he using? I can't see yes anywhere. And that's because we answer not just with words, but with action. And note what happens. We're going to keep reading on. It says this. And Jesus rose, followed him with his disciples. Verse 20. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well and instantly the woman was made well this woman asked Jesus a question and you might think well hang on Andrew you've given three four examples now where you're saying they asked a question and they I can't see that that's because sometimes questions are asked without verbalizing the question and Jesus answered the question We saw an actual undeniable example of this in in the opening verses where the scribes and Pharisees saw that Jesus healed the paralytic and they said, what is he doing on the Sabbath? And Jesus says to their question, which they didn't ask, they just thought it, why do you think evil in your hearts? So you're with me on this? This is what's happening. So this woman asked Jesus a question and Jesus replied, yes, yes. We keep reading and we read verse 23. 
And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away. Now, these are, these are your hired mourners, right? You, you, your hired mourners, you know. I, I'm amazed at this, this almost a comical scene. Here they are wailing and beating their breasts and doing the whole thing that they do in the Middle East when someone is mourning and expressing deep mourning. But notice that they're, they're almost almost turn on a dime change of emotions where it says when Jesus said to them go away the girl is not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him some mourners hey man get your money back I reckon but when the crowd had been put outside he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose wowzers You see, there was a bewildered father at this point asking a question of Jesus because he had come and he had said, will you come and heal my daughter? And Jesus said, yes. And they get there and the daughter's dead. Now he's a little bit bewildered. You said you're going to heal her and you stopped with that woman and now my daughter's dead. Now one thing you're going to discover if you walk with Jesus is he rarely comes when you want him to. But he's always right on time. Anyone ever found that? Frustrating, Nespa. But it's true. So here's a bewildered father who asked a question of Jesus. And Jesus answered the question, yes. Yes. We continue on. Verse 27. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, verse 28, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They couldn't see his actions. So he asked them a question. The interesting thing about questions is interviewers are trained never to ask yes, no questions unless they're, what do you call it, today, tonight, then anything goes. But Generally, good interviewers are trained to ask questions that evoke a story. Lawyers, on the other hand, they love asking yes-no questions because if they can get you to say yes to something you didn't do, gotcha. So lawyers love yes-no questions. And here, Jesus is asking a very simple question of two blind men who couldn't see his actions. Man, that's considerate. So Jesus asked these two blind men a question because they asked him a question <laughs> asked him a question and when they said yes as they said here in verse 28 they said to him yes lord so really they were asking jesus a question and jesus got them to answer the question yes lord do you believe me yes lord then he touched their eyes saying according to your faith be it done to you and their eyes were opened And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. And I've heard people say Jesus was using reverse psychology. That's what I was told when I was a kid. Jesus was using reverse psychology. But I don't think Jesus played tricks on anyone. He genuinely was saying, just keep this to yourselves. Completely different to the way some of us might operate if we had the power to heal the sick dramatically (laughs) quite different so these two blind men asked Jesus a question and Jesus said yes 
And to this answer they saw it. I mean, they literally saw the answer. They saw it. Let's continue reading. If you haven't read a chapter of your Bible today, you will in a moment. Verse 32. And as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. And the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. This mute man, mute man, this man who could not speak, asked Jesus a question. And the question was, well, we'll see in a moment. But Jesus answered with a yes, yes. Now come with me. We're reading down at verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The crowd from these villages asked Jesus a question. And Jesus' answer was yes. The power of yes. What questions did they ask? What questions did each of these people ask? The paraplegic man, the man who could not walk, he was actually asking, could God ever forgive me? How do we know that? Because of how Jesus responded to him. This is amazing where friends bring in this man who could not walk on a bed, which would have been, you know, two poles with a bracing pole either end and some kind of hessian or animal skin and brought him in and put him there. I mean, the question you would think is, will you heal me? But there was a question that Jesus answered that we don't hear because often we don't listen well, me included. But Jesus heard the question because the first thing he said to this man was, your sins are forgiven. Therefore, he's answering a question which could have most likely been, could God ever forgive me? I wonder what he'd done. I wonder what this man had done. Whatever it was, we're not told and that's the grace of God too. But my imagination tells me that people sometimes do some horrible things things that they are ashamed of sometimes in order to do those things they have to take drugs to numb their sense of right and wrong and to numb their sense of guilt but Jesus answers this man's question your sins are forgiven Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth he was asking a question you could imagine the question that Matthew was asking because how were tax collectors regarded Does the word scum come to mind? Does the word, well, you you fill in the blanks, but this is how tax... These were Jews who were siding with Rome. They were seen as traitors. It was the lowest of low. These were the treacherous ones. And there's Matthew, unable to look at people, just 
Give us your name and tell us how much you owe and put it here. And then Jesus comes and Matthew looks at him. And Jesus hears his question. Could God ever accept me after what I've done? Betraying my people, siding with Rome. Could God ever accept me? And Jesus says to him, come, follow me. (laughs) He answered his question. He answered his question. When we come down to the the man with the little girl who was at the door of death, we see that this man reasonably wondered, could God ever help me? Could God ever help me? Verse 18, and Jesus says, I will come. And while he's doing that, there's a woman who has a question. Does God even know I exist? You can imagine the scene. And the disciples tell Jesus where there's dozens of people pressing in on Jesus just to touch him. And and while he's being touched, one woman gets a fingertip through the crowd on the ground and just touches the hem of his garment and he suddenly stops. And he answers her question. Does God even know I exist? And God stopped and turned around and I'm reckoning probably looking at her said who touched me who just touched me and the the disciples they couldn't see because they they were only using their eyes and sometimes God wants us to see things that our eyes just get in the way of and what he said to this woman is just beautiful take heart daughter had God seen her (laughs) Jesus answered this question you're my daughter of course I know what you've been going through (laughs) we come down to verse 25 and we're in the house of the bewildered father and well may he have been asking will God be there when I need him most will God ever be there when I need him most because I asked him to come and heal my daughter and he didn't care He turned up late. She's dead. It's all over. Will God ever be there when I need him most? And Jesus answered that question. And then we have these two blind men. I don't know what it is about blindness, but for some reason it was... For some reason I, I haven't researched it enough to really understand why, but firstly there's no example in the Old Testament of a blind person ever being healed. Because you'd think, well, surely leprosy is seen as worse than blindness, but apparently not. Remember in John chapter 9, when they come across that blind man, the first question the disciples ask Jesus, anyone remember? Who sinned? This man or his parents? Blindness was seen as one of the ultimate curses of a sinful life. In the Old Testament, leprosy was healed. Dead people were even raised. But not blindness. And Jesus turns to these two blind men who are asking, has God got any time for us? I mean, he's busy. He's on his way through. He's not stopping in our town. He's on his way through. And they're chasing him. Has he got any time for us? And Jesus answered their question, beautifully representing God. Huh. And to the mute man, the mute man, 
The man who couldn't speak, the man who tried and he couldn't get even the sound of wind or anything to make any sense at all. You can imagine his question, can God even hear me? Because then prayers were only said out loud. When prayers were not said out loud, they thought you were drunk. We read that in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Remember where Hannah, the mother, the eventual mother of Samuel, went in and she and it says her lips were moving, but there was no sound. So they thought she was drunk. And prayers were said aloud, and this man couldn't pray. So the question, God, do you even hear me? And Jesus answered his question. And then, of course, we come down to the, to the crowds. And what was each person in the crowd wondering? Does God even care? I'm just a face in the crowd. Does God even care about me? And we read these beautiful words. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Does God even know I exist and does he care? Does he care about me? And Jesus, to each of these questions, he answered yes. And this is the Jesus we represent. We represent this Jesus. This Jesus who wants people to know that God is a forgiving God. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it with, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter how widely known on the internet it is or not, God forgives. To Matthew, we learn that Jesus presented God as the yes God, the God, will he accept me? After all I've done, will he accept me? And we represent this God in the world. And to the Matthews of this world, we say, come, join us, hang with us. You've known the shocking pain of rejection. I don't know if there's a worse pain than rejection. If there is, I don't really want to know about it because that's, rejection's pretty bad. And Matthew suffered horribly from it. And Jesus answered the question, God accepts you. And to the man with the, the daughter at death's door he answered the question yes God can help to the woman who asked the question does God even know I exist yes you're his daughter he knows you exist to the little girl lying lifeless there and her bewildered father wondering will God ever come when I need him Jesus answered yes yes and when he does you'll know it to the two blind men who suffered the stigma of blindness who were following Jesus and how they did that, I have not really any much idea except they would have heard the crowds around Jesus. The crowds who had walked by them, the crowds who had rejected them because they were blind. And blindness was the blight of a sinful life and you get what you deserve. And yet Jesus heals them both and he answers the question, that yes, God's got time for you. And to the crowds, harassed and harangued, you're not just a face in a crowd, Jesus knows you. To the mute man, Jesus, he, he tells us, God hears you. He hears you. I want to bring a challenge to us and I want to give you this challenge, please. Especially Palm Sunday as we think that in the next few days we are going to commemorate Jesus coming into Jerusalem and, and being misrepresented 
by the religious authorities of the day and, and executed. Can we be a people who know God, particularly this week as questions may come up, and can we present him well? Can we present him as the forgiving God, the accepting God, the helpful God, the timely God, the God who knows and cares, the God who hears, the God who sees? Because we do, we present him in one way or another. And sometimes people get really disappointed with us when we fail and make a mistake and I can't blame them for that and if pastors make a mistake we get blamed doubly and I can't blame anyone for that either because Christians are held to a higher standard than people who don't know God. We're held to a higher standard and sometimes we do drop the ball and sometimes we do misrepresent God and, and I hope, I hope that as we see spiritually paralyzed people come in as we see people who've been rejected by everyone come in as we see people who feel helpless come in as we see women who feel ashamed come in as we see bewildered parents come in as we see people who are treated with contempt come in and as we see the crowds harangued harassed and helpless come in I hope we can reflect Jesus to them. That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting The Power of Yes from our online store. As we've heard tonight, Jesus asks us two questions. Do you believe me? Will you follow me? If you answer yes to those questions, it will change your life. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.